0: Welcome back, everybody, for another fun episode of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. And today I have a gentleman who actually has been on Instagram for longer than I have, and we've kind of been watching each other, and I've got a lot of admiration for his passion for whiskey, and I thought, why not have him on the show? So without further ado, I'd like to uh, introduce Martin Eber, the chief writer at Time for Whiskey. Martin, welcome to the show. Cheers, Kevin. Great to be here. Tell me, tell the audience who you are what you do.
1: <laughs> so um, I run a website called timeforwhiskey.com. I've been running that for about 11 years, just writing about the whiskey scene, covering, you know, tasting notes, events, just, you know, everything everything good in whiskey. Instagram in 2015. So sort of split posts between, uh, between Instagram and the website. And yeah, really just giving a reason for my whiskey loving and, you know, giving a, a channel to, uh, to share that with the world.
0: The tell me something when you started the blog, what was why? Yeah, good what was question. the inspiration? So, so
1: I was traveling a lot for work. I, I live in Hong Kong now. I used to live in Sydney. And this is about 2009 I was sort of going through airports and you know you'd see the the travel retail specials and think, you know, oh, I think I should buy that that looks interesting and so I was sort of slowly building up my whiskey collection and around the same time there was a lot of uh, whiskey appreciation in Australia was growing especially in Sydney and Melbourne uh, and so there were a lot of events and brand ambassadors coming out and I started going to these events and meeting the, the brand ambassadors that, are, you know, travel out or even just the local ones. And I just thought this is, a, this is a really fun industry. These people are really, really cool. They're nice. They're genuine. I want to get more involved in this, but I didn't work in spirits. I didn't work in F&B. So I thought, you know, how can I get more involved in whiskey? I'll start a blog. So that was 2012. And I think I was the second, maybe, Australian whiskey blog at the time. Yeah, here we are 10, 11 years later, still going.
0: Tell me something what does what duty free look like in 2009? What's 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 in the airports? <laughs> it was a it was a very different
1: market. I mean there was there was less whiskey. I'd say it was uh, yeah. you know <laughs> l- lower quantity, higher quality, let's say. A lot um, more chocolates. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a lot more chocolates than whiskey. <laughs> and you could actually buy Japanese whiskey, you know, real Japanese whiskey yes. back then.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Or nobody wanted it. I mean, what are you exactly, what are you seeing exactly. in Duke- what are you seeing in 2009? You're seeing like the Suntory stuff for like 200 bucks? Uh yeah, I less. remember
1: I remember being at Narita Airport, being in the lounge, trying a Hibiki 17. Actually, I think they had the 21 on poor, but uh the 17, oh, that was great. Went out into duty free and it was selling for something like 70 US dollars a bottle
0: or something. It was yeah, whatever <laughs> it was, it was obscenely cheap. And those were were the unique bottles, right? That they were doing the duty-free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, yeah.
1: And and I mean, they were still doing them up until, you know, I think I bought my last uh, limited Hibiki 2015 or 2016 or something. uh, Yeah, a bit bit harder to find nowadays.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think 2017, I got two Hibiki 30s from that airport. And they were pretty easy to get. as Well, yeah. Yeah. Because nobody was dropping $2,200 for a bottle in 2016, 2017. Uh, they were were sitting there okay so now so you so you decide to start the blog Uh, what's what the whiskey scene you're saying that there's these brand ambassadors are coming out but there's there's no instagram yet so it's really like it's just blogging right pretty
1: much yeah yeah it was uh it was blogging I, i i can't remember when i started the facebook page but it was uh yeah the first few years was was definitely just just the website and um yeah, you know, after after two or three years, started the Instagram and um, and, you know, sort of used that as a channel to to meet some people who have you know since become lifelong whiskey friends. Uh, but yeah, back then it was it was pretty much
0: just blogging and attending events. So 2012, 2011, 2012, when you start doing this, what are the whiskey brands that are like at the forefront? Like, who are the guys that are sending people out to Australia to do stuff? Like, who's really trying to make a mark for themselves? Yeah
1: so William Grant and Sons are probably the one that that stick out yeah. they had a they had a fantastic local brand ambassador who actually then uh returned to Australia and up until very recently was was still with them uh Jimmy Bunton but yeah they they did a lot Fittick, uh Balvenie especially and you know back then you know, we we're, we're talking about some pretty special events like they would bring you know global brand ambassador at the time Sam Simmons out and, uh, and he just Carry in his bag, you know, a bottle of cask <laughs> sample that he's taken, but it happened to be a forty-one-year-old, yeah, you know, single cask Balvenie, and he's like, "Well, I just pulled this with David Stewart last week. Do you want to try it?" You don't see that as much these days, but uh, no,
0: yeah, it you would- don't see. I mean, I remember Universal Whiskey five, six years ago. You know, Lorne would come out with those bottles. You know, hey, here's a thirty-seven-year-old, and here's a forty-two-year-old. You know, with like a with like a, a a label that was written on that morning. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. There wasn't any focus. So, so basically, I mean, you and I both know. Back then, they were pouring these great whiskeys because they had them, and there really wasn't a market for them. I mean, where were they putting? You weren't seeing Glenfiddich or Belvaney forty years on shelf very often. No, exactly. Yeah, and, it, and when they did, you know, release it it, it,
1: it didn't sell out in an instant, and it wasn't, you know, twenty thousand dollars a bottle. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing I, I always tell. It's like there's a certain cost of goods to make the whiskey. And I don't believe that is appreciated at the rate that <laughs> represents the MSRP of the bottle. No, know, absolutely especially not. especially secondary. You know, I, I, I go into that and I'm like, wow, you know, like that bottle. You guys made for 40, you sold to the server for 60. They're supposed to sell it for 99, but they're selling it for 600. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's hard to know. <laughs>
1: It's hard to know where it's going to stop, too. I mean, you know, right. I, I remember four or five years ago thinking, "Oh, wow, these prices are getting a bit crazy." You know, it's just uh, it's just continued to rise since then.
0: So, so William Grant and Son. Anyone else stand out from those early years?
1: Uh were surprisingly doing quite a bit. This is maybe maybe 2013, 2014. Um, I, I remember one event in particular where they launched, you know, the, the whole Yamazaki, Hakushu, Hibiki range. Um, and back then they were, you know, <laughs> very accessible and,
0: and lingered on the shelves. McAllen, Dalmore, any of those guys cruising around yet or not yet?
1: M- McAllen started to have a presence probably around 2013. I mean, they always had a presence, but in terms of actually promoting and running events and that probably around the time of the 1824 series. And then the other one that we saw quite a bit was uh, was the Brown Foreman brands. So, um, you know, Jack Daniels did quite a lot of events. Uh, Woodford, yeah. uh, some really good events uh, with them as well. So.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, it was a yeah. You know, well, are, are you, Brown, have Glendronic on the tables at that point or not yet?
1: And not ben back Leah, then. No, no. So that, that comes that later. Came later. Yeah, yeah.
0: But they did. Um, so, yeah,
1: so, once once they took them on, they they started doing a lot of events with them as well.
0: So Mark, where does your passion for whiskey start? I mean, obviously, I know you're traveling, but like, what what, what what's your moment where you're like, hey, I enjoy drinking whiskey. I want to learn more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've always enjoyed the taste. Um, so that, that obviously helps <laughs> you know, I, uh, yes. e- even back, uh, you know, back in the early days sort of when I didn't know anything about it and I was, you know, drinking the, the Johnny Walker black, cause that was the fancy one, right. You know, Johnny <laughs> Walker red was the regular one. That um, seems I think, to be yeah. a
0: very common theme by the way, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've done about 30 episodes and it's like Johnny Walker black did a really good job of being the, the baseline entry point for most whiskey lovers.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and I think for me, the, the one that sort of really got me into it was Glenfiddich Twelve. That was the one where mm-hmm. I sort of tried it, and and you know, I don't know, maybe my first single malt, I can't quite remember, but it was certainly the, the first one that I remember thinking, you know, wow, that's that's really good. So yeah, it was a mixture of you know, I loved I love the product. But but you know I think the people and the the whole industry as well I just thought you know this is something I'd I'd like to be part of these are these are good people and and you know and I found that sort of continued anywhere in the world you know you you meet whiskey lovers in the U.S. in you know, anywhere in Asia, India doesn't matter you know it's just uh, there's no pretension it's just good people you know enjoying good whiskey,
0: and I think what's what's kind of cool what I really enjoy about it is yes you have that bond. But then there's like, it becomes this like thirst for knowledge and this like want to try more and more and more because you know you're onto a good thing and it's not like, oh, I only drink that. You're like, no, I'm very curious. I would like to see what, who else is doing? I mean, I get I get geeked out on the history. You know, uh, you know there, there's distilleries from the 1700s. You're like, well, how'd they do that? You know, there was no, it wasn't a car or a truck that was bringing in the bricks to build the place. You know, like, and they were building full distilleries in the 17 and 1800s in Scotland and you're like, that's mind-blowing you know and then you know I I, I watched that and I, and I watched some of this resurgence the last couple of years of older closed distilleries or not necessarily clothes they just weren't available they were they were working but they weren't they were part of a blend and now they're going out and kind of selling their own stuff and it, it, it's just like I feel like this excitement is just continues to grow.
1: Oh, absolutely no, I I agree. And uh, you talk about the uh, you know the passion and the thirst for knowledge. I mean that's really evident here in Hong Kong. We, we moved here in 2014, uh, which I'd say was sort of just when the whiskey scene was was starting to grow. You know there was one or two whiskey bars, there was you know one whiskey event, and then over the the next few years it really grew. But now and, and it's just exploded during COVID. Uh, you know the the average whiskey lover or consumer here, you know many of whom have only gotten into the hobby in the last two three years just mm-hmm. the level of knowledge is so high and and the thirst for more knowledge, yeah, you know, I was at a um masterclass that uh, Martin Mark vanson from Highland Park ran last Saturday. yeah, here for, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,, I saw it. that <laughs> and uh, and just the questions that were coming out of the audience were were nothing like they were five years ago, you know, like just super knowledgeable, super passionate people, which is great.
0: yeah, you know? it's great, great for all of us. Well, it continues to grow. I mean, obviously it's a good business. I mean, you you know, you remember and, in- 2000 and 2011 and 12 when you walked into a bar there was maybe six or seven whiskeys to choose from now there could be 200 yeah
1: well it's funny you know uh, you see these bars that build themselves as whiskey bars and they've got you know 60 70 whiskeys and you look at the menu and you think I've tried all of these, or these are just you know everyone's standard lineup. It's almost like you know you you see these whiskey bars and you're like oh you got five or six hundred grams. Okay, yeah maybe I can find something interesting. But uh, well, yeah, you also you
0: also you also know too much. You know you're like well, me. You yeah. know too much. You've seen too much. So to an average, it's super exciting to me. It's like eh, do you have anything else like that's not true. This true. doesn't do it for me. You know, and and the pricing is is out of control. So you know you constantly have this chase for unique experiences. That you're like, well, I want to try. I want to just go outside the box. I mean, that's why I love to do the stuff with like good food, you know, because then you're just taking it to another level. Now, as far as like the Hong Kong whiskey scene, I mean, Hong Kong is renowned for some of some of the largest whiskey collectors in the world. You know, they're in Singapore driving the price up is their thirst for wanting bottles, for lack of better words. You know, like if somebody it seems like the Asian market, if they want a bottle, they'll pay whatever for the bottle.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely an element of that, but I think you know there, there's sometimes there's this perception too that you know it's very much and I guess you know, this probably comes from the wine world you know previously as well, but you know a lot of it's very uh-huh. much a status thing. I, I need this bottle. Yep. You know I want to have it on my shelf. But you know from the collectors that I speak to and some of whom have you know incredible bottles and know a huge amount, it's it's really not about that at all. It it really is a love for the product and a lot of these bottles that do get bought, you know do do get opened. I mean we we had yeah um, yeah yeah. Probably two months ago, I think now, uh, Whiskey Now, which is a very, I call it a very grassroots festival in the sense that it's just tables and bottles and you just pay per dram. But the whiskeys there that people had opened for that festival, it's just incredible. I mean, we're talking, you know, a, a laggy manok, uh, you know, the Beaumont in the the square bottle, one of the world's most legendary Beaumonts, you uh-huh. know, Samarolis from the 60s. God, you know, I
0: love Samarolis. The- the-
1: a couple, of, a couple of years ago at that festival, a good friend uh, said, oh, Give me a glass, you know, pulled a bottle out from under the table. It was a 50 year old Springbank distilled in 1919, bottled in 1970. I mean, just incredible whiskies. But yeah, people are opening them, drinking them because they've got a passion for it and they want to share it with people.
0: Well, I mean, that's what the whiskey was for. Of course, I, you know, yeah, exactly. me with my kids' college fund, it's a different angle. I do try to experience all the bottles that I own in my collection and i probably have 200 open bottles but like sometimes i look at you know what the bottle's worth there's no way i'm opening it no no it's <laughs> <enough. know>, just <laughs> it's just no no way now I tell me like because hong kong has hong kong has such a vibrant whiskey scene has that enabled you as far as you know for your publication to grow it at a at a faster pace
1: oh definitely yeah The um yeah, I guess from two perspectives. One just just from trying bottles that uh, you know, might be distillery exclusives or, you know, single casks that are released for a, for another market. That there's a good chance that one of the bars will will get that bottle and if not, someone will get it and do a private bottle share. So there's definitely that access. And then there's also, you know, from a, from a sort of more media perspective. A lot of the brands uh, the marketing budgets can be can be pretty huge and the, the events that they put on, you know, including flying us to distilleries and, you know, all, all expenses paid trips to Scotland for like the new Macallan distillery launch back, you know, five years ago and, and that sort of thing. So the sort of things that, you know, historically just, you know, weren't even on the cards, you
0: know, sort of experiences are just, uh, it's, it's been pretty incredible. Oh, I got it. Now, tell me about like any experiences you pinch yourself stand out to be like, oh, wow.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean you've done, done, a, you've lot, done a, lot, but... a lot of cool shit. You've done a lot of cool shit.
0: <laughs> I, I, think... <laughs> uh, I
1: it probably number one, and I don't think it'll ever get topped, was was that Macallan distillery visit. So I, I got the call from uh from, from the, the head of marketing here and he says, Do you want to come and join us in Scotland? We'll fly you there. We're gonna spend two days at Macallan and you're gonna be the first ones into the new distillery for, for literally the, the week that it's opened. Uh and then we're gonna fly up to Orkney and spend two days at Highland Park and you know tour around and taste some crazy stuff. And you know, does that sound good? Uh, that sounds incredible. Yeah. Yes, I will do everything I can to be there. And uh, and it was it was just amazing. I mean, they they brought out uh, at the time. Yeah, I think it was the second best restaurant in the world, El Cere de Can Roca,
0: to uh, to to run the food for the event. So you're at the McAllen Distillery, brand new. What, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it was it was incredible. It was uh, it was literally the first day, the day that the embargo was lifted. So actually, when we drove into it, they had these big black screens up. We we literally couldn't even see it from the driveway, and then we we got in and. They had this dinner put on by, uh, they had the the entire team, including all the chefs behind El Sayo de Can Roca, which at the time was the second best restaurant in the world. They'd flown out and set up a kitchen specifically for that week of uh, of dinners and events. They put on this incredible light show on Easter Elky's house, which was just mind-blowing. And then we entered the distillery, you know, late at night, everyone's all dressed up in tuxedos and handed us a 55 year old single cask macallan as we walked in and uh and then we were literally the first ones to, to tour the distillery just incredible experience i mean i'm not sure if you've been there but it's an amazing facility no. and uh, to to be there as part of you know the, the first contingent was uh, was awesome and and then yeah then um they stayed in spayside for two nights and then uh, flew up to orkney for for highland park uh which was just the best two distilleries that you could do side by side because they're just so polar opposite. I mean, both producing good whiskey, but you know, to go from the the amazing modern, you know, Macallan distillery to the
0: old traditional Highland Park distillery was uh, was just fantastic. I mean, some of those old Highland Parks are just insane. I mean, I just picked up some like bottles that were distilled in 1978 on auction, you know, independent bottling, and it's just it's nuts. It's just oh, nu- that's nutty! Such that that good. they're you know next level where for you who are so in the scene what are you seeing are you are you i I mean you know there's a lot of words this is a bubble i don't believe i think whiskey's here to stay i think that you've now got these people that have just come out stronger than ever and they really want to enjoy i think that the quality unfortunately is starting to lack because the demand is so high but i think that the best will step forward and win the day
1: I'd I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, I I don't think we're in a bubble. I think, you know, the prices are always sort of, you know, maybe gonna, you know, go up and come down a little bit and go up, etc. But yeah. you know, I I definitely don't think we're in a bubble. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, you know, there's there's unfortunately I think some some distilleries that uh you know probably aren't aren't producing whiskey as good as as good as what they used to. Yeah, one one trend I see and definitely seeing yeah. an increasing interest in you know what we call alternatives from whiskey lovers, you know, not not to replace whiskey, but as a as an additional you know, interest, whether it's uh, cognac, armagnac, rum, you know, generally the three. You know, I know a lot of uh, whiskey bottles. Well, I, I,
0: I'm seeing out here Mezcal. In the United States, I'm seeing Mezcal. I'll, I will sip on Mezcal if the whiskey list doesn't meet my criteria of what I want to drink all day long.
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you there. Actually, a good, good friend of mine here uh, runs uh, Mezcal education classes every two weeks for charity. So he's sort of doing his bit with, uh, with a bar here, Koa, that's also an agave bar to, uh, to grow, you know, appreciation of agave spirits here. But yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of whiskey lovers are expanding into this. I know, you know, whiskey lovers that have joined forces with a few friends and bought a cask of 50, 60 year old cognac and, you know, bottled it for themselves. And, uh, you know, it's not to replace whiskey, but it's just a, another,
0: no, another no, opinion. it's, it, it's just, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, I'm a cognac, you know, hardy cognac is just my go-to you know her her aged cognacs are nuts I've I, you know there's a gentleman in the Kentucky area who does uh I want to say two forks rum but it's aged rum like 22 years 30 years rum it's freaking delicious. So I I I totally am on because I'm kind of I'm not saying I'm disappointed, but I feel like there's a lot of greed in this whiskey business all of a sudden. And I, I make a joke, and I'm not going to mention the brands, but I sometimes feel like they're literally sitting around the desk, and they're like, "Well, dude, we've run out of ideas. What should we do? And we got to release something new, you know, because everything's sold out. And they're like, "I don't know. Why don't we just like all go in the back, piss in the barrel, and you know, put a label on it, and fucking put it out there, and start it at five hundred bucks." And I'm like, wait, wait, what? There's no passion. Like, I'm 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 really like looking at some of the bigger brands and going, like, have you lost your passion?
1: Yeah. I, and I'm seeing like these new deep, guys right? come in
0: and fill that void. You know, I'm i like like I, I had two weeks ago in Vegas, I had that Rosebank 31. I mean, dude, that's like a classic period of whiskey. And for oh, them true. to come back, I'm like, oh my God, like all day long. I'm watching, you know. Uh, you know, you said Brown Foreman, you know, like with, the, with the, uh, and you know, they, they some of the older Glendronics. you know, Campari groups got Glenn Grant coming back out. You know, I, I'm just like, dude, like these are, this is whiskey made with a passion. This is not a marketing company. They're just lucky to have product in market. The rest of them <laughs> are like, hey, we own 10 spots on the shelf. We're not losing our 10 spots. So you keep filling them. I don't give a shit. Figure out a theme.
1: Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Glen Grant. I was actually caught up with a friend recently and uh, I had one of my most bizarre whiskey experiences with him last year. We tasted 50 different cask samples of Glen Grant, all ex-bourbon, all the same age, all distilled on the same day. To pick a, a private wow. cask, it was uh, well, I say tasted, I mean, you know, you can't taste 50 whiskeys in one go. But no, we nose <laughs> them all and sort of categorize them, and but uh, crazy experience. But no, I mean, look, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think we're probably thinking about the same brands, right? But um,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, I've, you
1: know. I, I've really been uh, no. you know, exploring more independent bottlings, um, you know, as a result of that. I think there's, there's still some great indie bottlers out there, you know, Thompson Brothers is one that I'd put right up the top of that list, you know, just bottling good quality honest whiskey at still very fair prices i mean when you can get a 29 30 year old Lafroig, right maybe it's not named but you know it is a lefroy yeah. for yeah I don't know, you know 190 pounds 200 pounds or something i mean that's that's good value whiskey still
0: i mean i mean that's me with like the duncan taylor's you know it's so on page 504 of the whiskey auction is like a 42 year old <laughs> glenn elgin <laughs> i'm like oh, i'll take that <laughs> that guy who made that whiskey 42 years ago sure as hell did not have any interruptions he was just doing his best job he could that day there nah, was no marketing on. company they were just, they were just happy to hey cool we, we somebody wants to buy it
1: <laughs> exactly that was a job he made the whiskey and it sat in barrel and they probably forgot about it for a while and, and
0: uh yeah well, and it didn't it, it didn't it didn't fit the spec of somebody that was blending and it just sat there because they're like oh wait that's not the exact profile that we wanted now tell me something you know asia has been synonymous since the 80s for taking a lot of america's bourbon before america wanted it you know it was like they couldn't sell it here they were shipping it to asia when you in 2012 were you seeing a lot of bourbon on the shelves
1: so here in i mean in australia yes australia's always had i'd say a pretty strong appreciation for for bourbon you know probably originally that the the more Commonly accessible stuff, and and more recently the higher mm. end stuff. Yeah, he, here in Hong Kong, uh, yeah, when I moved in twenty fourteen, there wasn't, and I'd say still today, there's there's not a huge appreciation of bourbon. I think you know compared to somewhere like Japan where it's you know extremely popular, mm-hmm. it's not quite the same. But uh, but there's there's certainly some good brands here. I mean, I know on, on your podcast before you've talked about Matt and, the t- and his time you know living here in Hong Kong with Michters, and you know he he was doing. Yep. A lot of good work uh, with his team to uh, to you know, spread the word of American whiskey here in here in Hong Kong. I mean, they, so uh, they're in
0: almost every cocktail bar now. I mean, he's pretty much no every it, it, cocktail, exactly yeah. Every... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He worked really hard to do that. You know, when he'd come back to New York and I'd be in town, you know, he'd be like, "Dude, it's like this is this is uncharted territory almost." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like there, there's everybody else, and then there's us, and we're a significant <laughs> level above everybody else.
1: Yeah, no, they've they've done a great job. Um, yeah, here yeah. And, and abroad.
0: Where do you, as far as what you've been developing, do you have anything fun coming? I mean, I know you're always having fun. I've got to come out t- next year to Hong Kong to some of these events because I feel like you know, for the inner whiskey geek in me, it's definitely something <laughs> I got to come and see. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just enthralled. What do you, what are you seeing? What you got anything fun coming up? So we've just had probably our two big whiskey festivals that that yeah, you you you
1: definitely need to come out here. It'd be great to great to catch up for a dram. So whiskey now, uh, which is typically sort of March time frame and uh, Hong Kong Whiskey Festival, which was just last weekend. I mean, yeah, the, the, the whiskeys there are crazy. You get a lot of uh you know, a lot of people sort of traveling in for that. Otherwise, you know, blog wise, I've got a backlog of about 400 tasting posts that I still uh, oh still need to write up. It's uh it's just it's just never ending. I, I have a well, I have a a small steak in a in a new bar. Not a not a whiskey per se, but uh you know, we we have some whiskey there and I love to uh bring some bottles down and share some some drams with friends uh here here in Hong Kong. It's called Call Me Al. But yeah, just um just yeah, continuing the passion and uh you know, catching up with people, attending the events. You know, we, we were a little bit slower to come out of COVID, but uh we yeah. we are out of it now, so the events have started up again. We we had a there was a Macallan event last week in Macau, which was uh, was nice to go and travel to that. But uh, what, yeah, were they, so, what were
0: they pouring at that one? What were they, they? That was James Bond, or no? It was still the the cacao stuff. Uh
1: it, it was it was sort of all of the above. They um they were. The Macallan Bar there in Macau uh, has launched a new uh, sort of a VIP room where they've got a whole lot on display, including the James Bond series, some old fine and rares, et cetera. So it was the launch of that. um, And we did a little Uh, tasting with, uh, yeah, uh, I think it was uh, fine cacao and uh, 18, 15, et cetera.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah, just fun little uh, half-day event. No one busted out the hand. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so actually, funnily enough, the the, the day before we uh, we had a, an event in Hong Kong, which was the launch of a, a bar had just gotten that bottle, but uh, yeah, surprisingly, that wasn't on tasting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, dude. I I mean, I'm you know, I'm excited for the new kids who are actually the old kids that are hitting the market. I feel like I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a separation now where people it's going to settle like we were talking about a few minutes ago where people are going to like kind of really. I think there's a moment of waking up that's about to happen when it's like, hey, I'm not really impressed with what these big guys are pulling out. Like, let's go look at the little guys. And I, there's a common theme on the independent bottlers that are definitely making a lot of noise because they are sitting on amazing whiskey that these big boys didn't want because it didn't fit the profile. And now as those start to come out, there's definitely a lot of noise. I mean, you know, obviously I love Gordon McPhail. And, you know, <laughs> Richard and the family have... You know, shit. They, they they truly are a time capsule of whiskey history with what they have. And I had a sixty one year old Glenn Grant two weeks ago and I'm like, Dude, like this is just nuts. It's just nuts, it's what... the level of the quality of that whiskey.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's I great. I mean, and the casks back then were just that they, they were a different, different breed. And it's funny you say that. I'm actually looking at a sample of the latest Mister George Legacy, the 1959 yeah. Glen Grant, as well, and, and yeah. been, been fort- fortunate enough to uh, to try that that whole series. And it's just incredible quality. I mean, you know, first fill sherry butts, 63 years, and you know the oaks in check. It's balanced, it's complex. You know, it's just um, I don't know what they were doing back then, but they cool. were certainly doing it right. <laughs> Yeah, and, I, and I guess well, like, you, you know, know and, always... the, and
0: and the sherry butts Whatever. were real. I'm not saying yeah. that the sherry butts aren't real now, but they're not like as seasoned as they used to be. There's just no way. You're not exactly part and of their were... flavor. And the, and the demand is too high. So you're literally, if there's a criteria, it's got to be in sherry for X. You're like, okay, now it's sherry. That's not what that stuff was back in the day. Nobody no, wanted the no, sherry. No. It sat there, and those pores of that oak just got soaked and soaked and soaked in sherry. So when they poured the whiskey in, it it was like a flavor party now oh, exactly. it's more like and, a, a co- now it's more like a color party it just adds the color <laughs> and you know <laughs> transport
1: casks with thicker staves and and that sort of thing you know which i guess is how you get these whiskies at 60 plus years old and they're still pushing 55 60% alcohol no incredible
0: incredible drams well i can't thank you enough for taking the time today dude i love watching you it's just it's fun to watch another another whiskey geek just living his best life and trying amazing whiskey and, and truly enjoying it because you know it's it, it really is an amazing spirit that we get to enjoy
1: no it really is and uh, no look likewise I, I would say all those things back to you and thanks very much for the time this has been a lot of fun
0: mart mart you want to plug anything before we hang up you want to point them to your instagrams websites all that kind of stuff
1: sure yeah so uh time that's without the e all one word uh or at time for whiskey on instagram facebook twitter etc
0: i love it well i appreciate it, my friend i look forward to seeing you in hong kong or maybe you know in scotland as well and thank you for your time today all my Thanks followers listening today an- another fun episode of the rolex whiskey passion project and i can't thank you enough for listening and we'll see you next time